The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? <laughs> no, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show on this Thursday morning. We've got another show coming up later tonight on Thursday evening with Liz Loza joining us. You're going to hear that if you subscribe to the audio feed. You're going to hear that on Friday. It's going to be a fun Fantasy Jeopardy episode. Uh, for now, let's talk what? about... Yeah, yeah. You can, you can come on. I, I was giving you the day off. Like, I ask all the time to do, and the one day this week that I'm not on, you are playing a game. And you know what happened. He tapped into me for this because he knows my track record of not being great at the Jeopardy. And he wants to get someone on to look a li- so he can look a little bit smarter. He can't have Heath on. He's amazing at the Jeopardy. I get it, Adam. You're having a rough week. We'll get into why in a little bit, but I understand I, what you're doing. I really there. appreciate and would like to further examine your <laughs> phrasing of the Jeopardy. Well, Where every I'm time when people talk about going to the Walmart, <laughs> I've never heard the Jeopardy. Our version of Jeopardy, the FFT version. Of Jeopardy. <laughs> the one time he, that Adam had me on, but I had no idea what we were playing. When I had to go against Heath, I just got wiped. He wiped the floor with me, and I was like, "All right, never put me on this again, please." Yeah. Well, but don't I have let a chance to redeem myself. Now. Don't let Heath tell you how to pronounce things. It hasn't been his specialty this week. Oh yeah, I did. I did get uh, like as soon as the podcast was over, I said, "I just realized I said archetype." Yeah. And then, like, not long after, I noticed Jacob looked at me weird when I did. I was like, What's, why is Jacob looking at me like that? And then I realized it afterwards. And then we got a tweet about it. Probably got an email about it. Oh, yeah. Definitely got That's an email a St. Louis it. thing. Everything's just an arch, right? right? I'm not from St. Louis. Hey, but you're close. You're not that far. I'm about the same distance from St. Louis. I was about the same distance from St. Louis that I currently am from Tampa or a little oh. north further. Jacksonville? Yeah, that's, that's not that close. Okay, so let's uh, let's talk about tight ends here. We have Apple Podcast questions also coming up later on today's show. I have a tight end trivia question for you. Then we'll get into your tiers a little bit. We do have some news items. And Dan and I are in the same Scott Fishbowl League, the Miami-Florida League. And he has the eighth pick and I have the ninth pick. So I think it would be worthwhile to compare our teams and see who Heath thinks is doing better. I have David Montgomery on my team. Maybe talk about some other things about your league. Oh, Maybe. Yeah. I have There's Montgomery, so about. I know Heath will like my team better just by the David Montgomery factor. But uh, <laughs> I, tight end trivia for you. Which tight end has finished top eight in PPR points per game each of the last two seasons, but is not ranked higher than 19th by any of our three analysts? Top eight each of the last three seasons. Two seasons. Two Can seasons. I look at my rankings or not? I don't think so. Okay. Which tight end, nobody else is looking at your rankings, which tight end has finished top eight in PPR points per game each of the last two seasons but is not ranked higher than 19th by any of our three analysts? Logan is it Logan Thomas? Thomas? It is yeah. Logan Thomas. Yeah, that one seems obvious. Okay, well, why why isn't he ranked higher than 19th? Dave has him 19th. I think Heath has him 24th. How many games did he play last year? So 
So he played six, but actually the points per game is only based on five games because he played <laughs> five snaps, I think, in the six. So eight. he was not technically. Like, if someone went and sorted on a, on a different site that was not an Adam Azer site and looked at the fantasy points per game last year, he would not be a top t- eight tight end by fantasy points per If game. you looked on fftoday.com, which is where I always look, then he would be because they don't count that game because he didn't have any stats. This is a classic example no, of an Azer stat no, gone wrong. An Azer stat gone wrong. He played five snaps. You're going to you're gonna count that game? If, he played no, five snaps. No, what I'm snaps. saying, like, this is a good use of Azer stats, and this is appropriate, but if this were a Jeopardy question, th- your answer would be factually incorrect. Well, first of all, it would have to be asked. It, the answer would have to be in the form of a question. And secondly, we say the Jeopardy now. <laughs> but uh, actually, the, well, the reason why, you know, I use that site, fftoday.com, and that's the reason why I saw, oh, he finished eighth last year. Then I realized, I said, wait a second, did he finish even higher? Because he had this one game with five snaps, and they had already accounted for that. But But the bottom line is, in those five games... He had 196 yards and three touchdowns on 25 targets. So that's interesting. And the year before that, he was uh, fourth per game in PPR, sixth and a half PPR, ninth in full PPR, uh, ninth in non-PPR, pardon me. Uh, Oh, no, I switched that around. I'm sorry. That was his final season uh, stats, not his per game. In 2020 per game, he was sixth in full PPR, eighth in half PPR, and 11th in non-PPR. But it's too... Fantasy relevant years in a row, even though a very abridged one for Logan Thomas. So, Heath, you thinking about maybe moving him into tier tier five or tier six? He's thirty one years old. He has one season in his NFL career with more than two hundred yards receiving. And to show you how small the sample size was last year, I went to uh, just to a different site, Football Guys, to look at where he ranked in terms of PPR fantasy points per game last year. And if you include the sixth game, why would you? He is 18th. Why would you include the, the sixth game? That was one that, that, sixth of his production of how being small five snaps. The sample size of him being top five last year or top eight last year was. But he he averaged fifty yard. He averaged forty yards per game. So that's well, not that, that bad. changes everything. That's not that bad for a tight end. That puts him in the low end tight end range. Right. I'm not saying he's a top five guy or a top eight guy, but. If he can average 40 yards per game, then he's probably a stream streamable tight end. I think that some of that value is because of who the co- the quarterbacks that he played with and the car- tar- uh, the target competition that he had at that point versus what he has now after adding dots into the mix. And, you know, with especially with the quarterbacks that he had versus the quarterbacks that he has now in Wentz, Wentz is not willing to, t- to target the seam as much as those other quarterbacks. So I just don't – to me, I feel like he's going to fall off. I don't want to sit here and make a big case for Logan Thomas. But it feels like you want to. I, I think I think I'm going to put him on my Scott Fishbowl queue. I, I think you know I don't know if we have a queue. We do, right? But you definitely don't have a queue. <laughs> after you, spend, you, listen, you spent 20 hours mates. on the clock. You certainly don't have a queue. <laughs> your league mates would cer- if you would just join the Twitter chat for you your know, league. He they could probably to explain to you how to use a queue. They've been begging to get Azer on the chat, and all he got was, "Guys, sorry, I didn't do a good job of catching up and and hanging in with these." chats i'm not gonna join he's the only one in our league not on the chat by the way he's too good for the chat he's the Every only one in sfp that's too good for the chat in my league is in the chat and yep. we have Same. probably a hundred chats per day and it's really been good stuff we've raised money for charity yep. we keep let people know when they're on the clock so they don't use 20 hours to make their first six picks adam's not interested in any of that 
Um, <laughs> Charity, the, the I best am. Best thing though, are you? And I don't know if, if you guys saw this or not, but I'm also there's also a chat for your draft position, and it's been really beneficial talking strategy with people yeah. who all have the same pick. Um, but Twitter chats only allow 75 people in one chat, and there's more than 75 people with the 12th pick. Which is unfortunate for the few people who wanted to be in and weren't allowed to. We've constantly been at 75. We had an opening come up uh, a day or two ago because someone who was in our chat made the error of saying who they'd picked from the 11 spot. This person had somehow joined the 12s chat to get a good idea what all the 12s were talking about to better help him make picks on either side of the 12 in his draft. Dirty. That is dirty. I like that. Fantastic. He got kicked out of the group, but I applaud him. It's much better than not even joining your own league chat. No, it's not better than not joining. It's deceitful. I wouldn't do it. All right, so listen, let's talk about our uh, tight end tiers. These are Heath's tight end tiers. I'm displaying them now for those of you on YouTube. You can see the first five tiers. There are a couple more that we're going to get into. Uh, We're doing, no, just six today. So you can see the first five. You'll see tier six shortly. Um, Question Logan Thomas is in tier five. What are you talking about? Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. And neither did you. Well, are you going to move him up into your ranking? He's 24th. He's not 24th uh, on this page. Oh, wow. That's this would put him about 19th or so. But no, all right. This, no, this has him at 22nd. Good no, counting. It's, all right. You there, know what? There will be a rankings update tomorrow, and it's possible that Logan Thomas will move into my top 20 tight ends. Okay, good. Just kidding. He is at 19th. Thank you. That was you. bad counting Thank on you, my part. Thank you, Schneier. <laughs> All right, which, looking at uh, Heath's uh, first five tiers here, and the, if, you're just watch, if you're just listening, you're not watching, don't worry, I'll go through everything, but which tier do you usually draft from at tight end, and you know, who's in that tier for the benefit of the people who are not looking at it right now? Heath, which tier do you usually draft from? I would say probably one is the most common, followed closely by, not followed closely, but then it would be a close battle between four and then probably three right after four. Okay. I and tier one is Kelsey. I drafted and in tier two once all year. So Kelsey and Andrews is tier one. Tier two is Waller, Pitts, and Kittle. So that's your big five. And tier one is Kelsey and Andrews in the next three. Tier three for Heath is Schultz, Goddard, and Hawkinson. And then tier four, guys like Ertz, Herb Smith, Komet, Everett, Fryermuth, Kasicki. I know it's a lot of names. I'll, I'll repeat them. But Heath is usually in the Kelsey Andrews tier, or he's waiting until, you know, the, the tier four guys are going to be round nine or later probably in a 12-team league. Depend, maybe Ertz sneaks into round eight or something. But I think it might just change, like, tier one to great and tier yeah. four and five to late. Yeah. So that's kind of my strategy is I, I like to go great Greater or late. late. Of course. Yeah. Uh, Dan, which tier do you usually draft from at tight end? Yeah, I think Heath nailed this. I also like to go greater late. I've been a big proponent of drafting Travis Kelsey the last few years. Um, I believe he gives you a massive advantage at the position on a weekly basis. This year, I'm actually off Kelsey. I think that Terry Kill played a big factor in opening up the middle of the field. I know they still have those guys who run fast, but I don't think they're going to command the same kind of attention. I've seen myself drafting a lot of Mark Andrews. I think Mark Andrews is going to be tight end one this year. And I see myself drafting a lot of Zach Ertz, Gerald Everett, and Cole Komet. So really, it is greater late for me as well. Um, but I don't know why you're laughing. I thought that was a good name. It's a great name, especially considering I made it up. But 
I'm wondering if I can start suing you guys every time you say it. Remember there was that like three-peat thing with Pat Riley or he tried to coin he coined that and I, I feel like I feel like there's some uh potential litigation in the future here. But all right, so I also which, think Heath's ahead of the time. Like a lot of t- people I still see ranking a lot um Firemuth and Gasecki way ahead of Everett and Komet. I'm I'm with Heath. I think Everett and Komet should be ahead. So I think these are just a really good set of rankings personally, but I don't think they adhere completely to ADP. I see a lot of people drafting some of those other guys ahead of guys that Heath has ranked higher and they should. I also would put Ertz a little bit higher personally. In my Scott Fishbowl draft, I'm pretty sure Gasecki went ahead of both Goddard and yeah. Hawkinson. There you go. So your huge kiss ass, by the way. But anyway, which... Uh, no, they're just good rankings. Which tiers... Adam, <laughs> which, Adam, have I ever kissed your butt on this show? Will I ever? I, did, I don't think anybody wants that to happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm actually just oh, looking man. for the first time. I don't know why I haven't looked at this, of what, what Travis Kelsey did without Tyreek Hill three years ago, 2019. So it was a four-game stretch. I don't know if we want to count week one. Tyreek Hill only played 12 snaps. We can count that one. Uh, but the production for Kelsey was not, I mean, it was good. It wasn't amazing. Let's see. Week one, he had 88 yards. Week two, he had 107 yards. Week three, he had 89 yards. Week four... 85 yards, week five, 70 yards. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. But, I mean, a lot of that was also fa- – we that's not the only factor that scares me. The age is obviously also a factor here. Okay, yeah. Uh, which tier do you usually avoid, Heath? Uh, tier two. That would be the Waller-Pitts-Kittle tier. How about you, Dan? Um, it's players for me. I, I won't draft Kittle this year. I won't be drafting Schultz at all this year. I probably won't be drafting Pitts because he's drafted a little too high for me. But I do like Goddard and, and Hawkinson out of that third tier. So it's just players for me. So it sounds like you're not drafting in tier two, though. Because uh, No, I, I end up with Kittle. Waller a good amount. Waller. Waller falls, yeah. Okay. I like Waller. And I, I would be fine with Waller, Kittle, or Pitts. On the but no, I shouldn't say Pitts because he never does. But occasionally Waller right. or Kittle falls into round five, and then I'm good with it. I just I'm not taking any of those guys in the first four rounds. I agree with Heath on that minus Kittle though for me. Dan, did you grow up or go to college with a guy named Andrew Tague? Andrew Tate, this is n- no. What? Why? Because yeah, he just chatted. He just commented <laughs> in our chat. Dan Schneier is a genius. I have a lot more fans <laughs> than you'd imagine, Adam. You, you, you'll see as we go on. We're yeah. starting to see the comments flow in when you when you put that uh, tweet out the other day, just trying to bash me and defame me. There were a lot of people who stood uh, stood up for me, and you know what? You saw it in the replies, and we're going to get up to that tweet a little bit later because okay it's you've been really rocked on it since a lot has happened (laughs) you know we've a lot has happened since we've probably got 30 minutes before we get to that dan or or at least 20 yeah um i think you have plenty of time to take the youtube link that adam tweeted out to promote this show and paste it in the chat of your Miami, Florida, Scott Fishbowl division. And hopefully we can get a few of those uh, participants in the YouTube chat so that when we have the discussion, we can have a little bit of their feedback about um, the performance of Adam in this draft as well. I think that's a great idea, Heath, especially because he's not really liked in that chat. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. Uh, last question. Can we just for let you? the listeners know real quick what's going on with that. Adam refused to join the SFB chat for our division. He's the only one not in the chat. Okay. Let's just make yeah. that clear for the listeners. Okay. Yeah, this is very clear then. <laughs> last question about tiers. Isn't Dalton Schultz a one man tier and aren't one man tiers great, Heath? I generally avoid one man tiers, although, like, I think you could say that Deshaun Watson should be a one man mm-hmm. tier or Alvin Kamara should be a one man tier. Um, some people would say Jonathan Taylor should be a one man tier. Travis Kelsey has been a one man tier in the past. Uh, I, man, I'm conflicted. It's kind of been hate on Dalton Schultz week on Twitter this week so um your your praise of him will be a a, a needed change but i just think like looking at what he did last year i don't know that i really believe he can be better than that agreed and Mm -hmm. what that was was three tenths of a point better than tj hawkinson and about a point per game better than dallas goddard but that's almost entirely because he scored eight touchdowns on 800 yards receiving and Goddard scored four touchdowns on 800 yards receiving. So right. I, I have a hard time making a case for separation between Dalton Schultz and those other two guys. Now, I think Dan would even put him behind those guys. I wouldn't go quite that far, but I'd have a hard time making a case for him definitely being better than those guys. I would actually keep, I'd keep him above – Goddard, but behind Hawkinson. But it's more the issue for me is more. I think Heath has it right here. He has them all in one tier. But you're seeing Schultz drafted ahead of those two guys too often by by a large margin, and he's almost creeping up into from an ADP standpoint into tier two. That's where I have a problem with Dalton Schultz. Yeah, I, I can see that. So tier three for Heath is Schultz, Goddard, Hawkinson, and uh, obviously I, I very much prefer Schultz out of this tier. I I think he is in a separate tier because I think you know maybe. Going into the offseason, maybe in February, I, I could see this being a three-person tier. But Goddard's situation to me has gotten worse. Hawkinson's situation to me is probably worse. It depends, I guess, on Jamison Williams. But but even DJ Chark could be an upgrade over what they've had. And Amonra St. Brown has emerged since the last time we saw TJ Hawkinson on the field. Um, Schultz's situation has clearly gotten better to me. So, you know, losing Cooper, Gallup coming back from a torn ACL, and he's going to be on, in my opinion, clearly the most prolific passing offense between him, Goddard, and, and Hawkinson. It's not even going to be close. They might lead the league in pass attempts. Uh, so he doesn't why have would to. They, why exactly would the Cowboys lead the league in pass attempts? Because they've year? done it once under Kellen Moore. Right, but they did it before the de- when the defense was in shambles. Now they I, you know, I'm not really sure. Defense. I'm not sure how good their defense is going to be. They were a defense no. that was very, very turnover reliant last year, and those defenses, you can set a clock to it. They always regress. But they also have maybe the best young they do have, in the NFL. They do and potentially have one of the best young quarterback cornerbacks in the NFL. Uh he's he's interesting. He gets beat a lot, he makes a lot of he plays. He is boomer bust. He is boomer bust. I yeah. wanted to see if you were gonna be able to call that out, but you did a good job with that. Adam. Oh okay. it's, don't don't quiz me on <laughs> on this. Okay. No, I, um... but, but no, but but that's just Kellen Moore's nature. So uh, I just think I think that he has he has, his situation moves him Dalton Schultz's situation to me moves him clearly ahead of Goddard and Hawkinson. I think these three are a great, great, great test of my theory. That for the most part, wide receiver additions and subtract- subtractions impact other wide receivers. Yes. And 
tight end buckets within an offense that can be changed a little bit, but are often unchanged by changes to the rest. Now, that we'll see how that works out this year. We'll also see with Waller how much Devontae Adams, like I, I'm far more concerned about what Adams will do to Hunter Renfro than I am Adams to Waller. Same. Um, so it'll be, it will be a good test of that. Yeah, but, but he doesn't have seems- to. But he doesn't have to be better than he was last season. Dalton Schultz, you know, he was fifth per game, and he had 104 targets. I guess he. I guess if you're going to take him in round five, he has to be better. If you're going to take him in round six, exactly. I don't think he does have to be better because I still think he'll be a big advantage over most of the other tight ends drafted behind him. I, I do think that you're going to see. What most do you mean by big advantage? See, that's the problem. Yeah, big advantage. Exactly. It might not necessarily show up in the points per game, but in I would guess and I probably the, won't care about it. No, but you should right. because no. because here's the problem with with the tight ends that finish behind him. All right, and before I make this point, let me just look up some of the names that I'm talking. And I just about. want to, while you're looking that up, I, I want to say he does have to be better in terms of volume or yardage efficiency because it's very likely that his touchdown rate is going to regress. Yes, exactly. He had almost an 8% touchdown rate last year, and that's just not something that... Now, Jared Cook had a two- or three-year stretch where he did it and Gronk did it all the time, and it's possible that he has another 8% touchdown year. But I, I think it's more fair to project something closer to 6.5. So he probably needs to pick up an extra point per game in catches and yards to match his points per game from last year. Okay, so for the record, Dalton Schultz averaged as many points per game as Darren Waller last year. And he was, let's see, two almost two points per game better than Kyle Pitts, uh, 1.6 points per game better than Zach Ertz, uh, and very close to TJ Hawkinson, as Heath mentioned, only 0.3 points per game in full PPR better than TJ Hawkinson, who uh, had a lot of catches, 83 catches in, in 12 games. Uh, but I, here's why it matters, Heath, that, that he'll be, here's what I mean by he'll be better than the guys behind him. You know, you do, you do not have 12 must-start tight ends, ever. You'll probably have six or seven, and then most of the league is streaming. So, yeah, sure, you could look at, say, Hunter Henry, who averaged 10.3 points per game. But what an inconsistent player, and what a guy who was so touchdown-dependent. You get so many of those tight ends where... They, they might just be awful. Dalton Schultz is going to be a, a, a... They might be awful some weeks. They might be good some weeks, but it depends if they catch that touchdown. Dalton Schultz will be one of the last tight ends drafted who I think will be a slam dunk, must-start tight end where you don't have to even worry about tight end. You think that Goddard and Hawkinson that, will be streamers? I think they have the potential to be streamers no. because Dallas Goddard, when Zach Ertz was there, averaged something like four targets per game. When Zach Ertz was there, and they were throwing the ball a lot then. Now they've got a year two Devontae Smith, and they just brought in A.J. Brown, who's certainly going to command more targets than Zach Ertz did. I do have an Azer stats correction. But but Azer, what we don't... Oh, yeah, go ahead first, Steve. We need an Azer stats correction because we started the show with Logan Thomas and Azer statting his way to a top eight tight end. (laughs) Darren Waller was two fantasy points per game better than Dalton Schultz last year until the game that he played 24% of the snaps. Where does he find these stats? What? I said, where does Azer find these stats? They're just getting debunked left and right. Here. No, I, stop. 
Okay, that's... but Adam, but Adam, your whole argument there didn't address Heath and Heath's concern, which is basically my main concern too. Touchdown regression is one of the stickiest things. That's one of the things we can count on most year after year. And you didn't. You just talked about it with Dalton Schultz, just over a hundred targets. His slot snap percentage, his slot snaps not that high. His average depth of target not that high. So he does rely on those. Last year, his scoring did rely a lot on those touchdowns and that high touchdown percentage. He could easily play more in the slot this year now that Ceedee Lamb is going to be playing outside in Amari Cooper spot, right? So Cooper was playing outside, and when Gallup was on the field, CeeDee Lamb was largely in the slot. So I'm that, not counting on that to be sticky. I think that is going to have... Mike McCarthy said that CeeDee right. Lamb we'll is see. going to play Amari Cooper's role. We will see if that continues all throughout the season, considering how good Lamb was in the slot. We'll no, he was, be, he was better out wide. He was more productive out wide. I know on a person that basis, yes. So, but why, was, so why would that change? So two years ago, when you put him in the slot, there was no one who could cover him in the NFL in the slot. Two years ago, what the five games that Dak Prescott played, he yes. wasn't good after that. Yeah, but Dak Prescott was throwing fifty-two times per game in that stretch. So and he was unguardable in the slot. It's hard to it's need, hard to defend Lamb on a two-way. They're going to put him outside. They said they're going to put him outside. I know, but I just think they're going to mix him in in the slot still. They Time might. will tell on that one. We'll check that in and around week six. Seven. They might, but obviously there's an opportunity for more slot snaps. Okay, sure. So sure, that's fair. I don't know, look. I don't want to overthink it here. I know mm-hmm. Dalton Schultz isn't some. So he's not as talented as the five guys ranked ahead of him. Kelsey, Andrews, right. Waller, Pitts, I don't think Kittle. he's as talented as Goddard or Hawkinson either. I don't I think, think he's anywhere close to Goddard or Hawkinson. And I think you can make a case. I don't that understand Kulkomet, that. Kulkomet is more talented than Schultz and may have more target opportunity. I don't understand this talent that's been assigned to Dallas Goddard. I I, I mean. Really? I just. Yeah. You I watch don't, him play? Do you, do you see the production? I mean, this guy has been. I's had a very overrated career. In my, like, he's I'm in just, a run first offense right now. I, is like, he I still in a, okay, so then, so then, that's what I'm saying. He's in a run first offense, but he didn't catch. You know, the last ten games of the year did not catch a single touchdown pass from Jalen Hurts. He had a huge game with two touchdowns from Gardner Minshew. So I, I, I just think that Dallas Goddard is has been assigned uh, this value that he hasn't lived up to, and Hawkinson. Goddard, Goddard not, had the fifth most yards after the catch last year of all tight ends. Look Where, at Gerald Everett had a lot of yards after the catch. I like saying, Gerald Everett. Are, I like Gerald Everett saying, a lot this year. You, you, Dan, more than anyone, were dumping on TJ Hawkinson last year, right? Beca- because of exactly what we just discussed but earlier you, in this but podcast. You have the, said the replacement that, value. of dra- When you start to push the Schultz and Hawkinsons up into round five, which is where they're starting to go, and creeping even I'm higher. I'm not taking him in round five. But that's what st- that's what happened with Hawkinson last year, and that's what we're starting to see with Schultz this year. That's but, what we're so against. Yeah, I, I, I don't agree know with that. Dan was poo-pooing Hawkinson as much as anybody last year. I think I was. I mean, I had to say something mean about T.J. Hawkinson every preseason show we <laughs> did because he was being drafted ahead of Mark Andrews for a while. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, Dalton Schultz is still uh, has a six round ADP, and T.J. Hawkinson is going basically the same exact ADP as as Dalton Schultz, sixty um, sixth overall. Dallas Goddard said eighty third overall, but so, I. I do think just it's the pass volume and the and the prolific pass offense that I'm buying into for Schultz. I I agree with that part, and I, just to go back to the, like I think you would admit, if Dalton Schultz were to change places with Dallas Goddard or T.J. Hawkinson, if those guys were yeah. traded for each other, whoever was traded to Dallas would be drafted two to three rounds ahead of Dalton Schultz. All of a sudden, one yes. one million percent. Okay. Absolutely. It's it's is not Dalton Schultz is so great. It's that I I think he is going to be a must start tight end because of volume. I am on the clock in the Scott Fishbowl. Oh, that's, once that's again, that's never stopped you before. <laughs> yeah. 
how often have we looked? Oh yeah, let's we should that. do this now because I have a pick and Dan has his Dan picks yeah. right after me. So uh, I could I could share my screen here. Should I do that? Yes. Let's talk. Right. Let's give the listeners a little bit of background on what uh, what went down in the Scott Fishbowl in our division. Should I do that, Adam? Should I recap? Yeah, sure. Hold on. Okay. One, uh, go go for it here. I got to do a little Scott Fishbowl. Obviously, everyone knows what it is. Me and Adam drafting in the same division, pick pick after each other. The Scott Fishbowl starts on Monday. I'm still on vacation. I have two more days left of vacation. So you know what? I take my time with my picks because I didn't see the notifications. I'm not by my phone. I'm enjoying my vacation. Adam knows I'm on vacation. Anyway, yeah, I've been I on vacation up. for three weeks, by the way. But no, anyway. it was a it was an eight day vacation and the only one I took this year. So let's make that clear. But I see a tweet in the middle of the vacation toward the end from Adam Azer, just absolutely destroying me for taking so long, taking 11 hours combined for my picks, only to find out one day later, Adam nearly clocks out of his pick. <laughs> and then we look today and Adam has taken 20 hours to make his picks while I've only taken 11. So all of that, we throw it out, we put it out there into the ether. And then finally, the icing on the cake here. Adam refused to join our division chat. It has 11 of the 12 members. He's too good for the division chat. And by the way, in this division chat, me and Adam are getting absolutely roasted on a daily basis. They're like, oh, back to the CBS, guys. Guess we're going to have to wait 10 hours again for a pick. Well, and yeah, so, go ahead. So I do think we should think, think about this. Um, the Scott Fishbowl started at approximately this time on Monday. Uh -huh. So it's been 72 hours, if my math's correct, right? Yeah. And... I think we've decided that the time when the clock's off doesn't count against your time. Right. Which is, I think, six hours a day. Which would mm -hmm. mean it's been about 54 hours that this draft's been going on, that the clock's been running. And I believe what I saw is that 31 of those 54 hours, you or Adam has been on the clock. <laughs> <laughs> so <But> over <laughs> half of this draft, they've been waiting on you or Adam to make a pick. I think they are well within their rights. <laughs> to be complaining about how long you guys are taking to pick. All right. Well, I'm going to make a pick now. <laughs> I can't disagree with that. <laughs> so I do want to point out once again, Adam has taken almost double, nearly double the time that I've taken. All right. So, so let's make some picks. So I have, uh, I'll show you all my lineup. I have Trey Lance and Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts and Trey Lance at quarterback. This is a super flex league. It's a tight end premium league where tight end scoring is, is basically double. They get a full point for a catch, a full point for a first down. Uh, everyone else gets a half a point for a catch, half a point for a first down. Quarterbacks get a half a point for a rushing first down, but completion percentage matters too. So Hertz and Lance are an interesting duo. Uh, I have David Montgomery and J.K. Dobbins at running back, and I have Chris Godwin at wide receiver. Travis Kelsey was my first pick. He's my tight end. A lot I think of people you should start find some week one starters. <laughs> that's what you should be looking for. I know, no, I, that's I. <laughs> I, I'm basically just kind of going for it, right? I, I mean, right. I'm I'm, I'm going. I'm hoping Dobbins and Godwin don't end up on the pup list. Uh, I've got Godwin on my team. Godwin and DeAndre Hopkins paired up, but I took them in round seven and round ten or eleven. So you know what they always say: if you can draft players who are injured and might not start the season, you might as well do it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take DK. I'm gonna take DK Metcalf. I don't have him on any teams. So. Oh my god, gross. Gross. What round are you in? Seven. Seven. Okay. I'm on the Chris Towers train. I think there's going to be weeks where, like, are we should we start DK Metcalf over Russell Gage against 
X and X or yeah, like whatever. I agree. I don't know that there's a wide receiver. We're going to have a rough time with Metcalf this year, I think. Yeah, but look at the wide receivers that are left. Metcalf, Allen Robinson, Amari Cooper, Darnell Mooney. It's, well, I'm is, picking after you, so I'm certainly this is not where he goes. My on Jerry, I could take Jerry Judy. No, no, please take DK take, Metcalf. I am going to take DK Metcalf. Thank you, thank you. They so might I get Jimmy take. Garoppolo, and then you're going to regret not having DK Metcalf. So. Yeah, I'll certainly regret it. All right, Dan, you're on the clock now, so let's, let's see. What's your team? So let me make it clear for the fishbowl. I always have this a similar strategy. It's boomer bust. I don't draft this to look good in my league by competing for a seven and five or eight and four record. I'm looking to go for it because this is a large field tournament and you need to take a very high variance approach. So I took a very, very high variance approach with my team by going Kyler Murray in the first round, not a very high variance pick, but Derek Henry in round two, very high variance pick. I think there's still potential outcomes where he could be RB one. Um, I'm not buying into the age factor here yet. I think that he's coming back healthy. And then I went with Trevor Lawrence only because I was sniped by you for Trey Lance. I see a big drop-off after Trey Lance at that pick. It was your best pick of the draft, Adam. But then I continued a high-variance route by going Javante Williams and Cam Akers, both players who I think have a path towards a lot of volume and have a path towards a high score, a high finish. And then in round six, I'm a big believer in stacking, so I went Marquise Brown over a few receivers I had ranked higher because I already have Kyler Murray on the roster. Okay, uh, you don't have a tight end though, and that's that's a problem. Yeah, are there any tight ends left? Dallas I, I've been missing. Not really. I've been missing out. No, Dallas. Got, yeah, Dallas Goddard. Is he still on the board? Yeah, Adam? he's still on the board. If you like him, well, you should take him. I missed out on Hawkinson. I, I don't think I could see myself taking Goddard right now over some of the receivers that are on the board. Um, though I do like Goddard. All right, so I took Metcalf, and you and you slam me for it. So let's see which wide yes. receiver you prefer here. Well, I'm leaning toward either Jerry Judy or Allen Robinson here for sure with this pick, and I would take them over. I would take both of them over DK Metcalf. Um, Judy was my second pick there. If I yeah, yeah. Gabriel Davis. So we still have Amari Cooper, Darnell Mooney, Rashad Bateman, Allen Robinson, Jerry Judy, Gabriel Davis, Adam Thielen, and Juju Smith-Schuster. Michael Thomas was another guy I was considering. There's actually a lot of good receivers left on the board. I'm surprised you weren't considering uh, Devontae Smith for the stack purposes, but no it chance. might be a little too early. Yeah. It's a he high variance. Still, he is still available in round 12, 12 of my draft. Yeah. There you go. So that's probably not a good idea. I actually, gonna, I'm either going with one of those two receivers or Goddard. I just need to make sure, take a quick look at these tight ends after Goddard to see how bad it's going to be. No, actually, I see someone I actually like more than Goddard in fantasy that I don't, that I think will still be on the board. So I'm going to wait there. Adam and, really should have taken Goddard. Yeah. No, I, you know, I, I don't like him. I'm off Goddard. I'd rather have Dawson Knox but later. We're in later. This is round seven. Yeah. Uh, of a tight end premium draft. I, so I'd have rather hurts? have DK Metcalf. Are we going up? Are we going back toward the back end of the draft right now? We are. Yeah, we're not we, picking for a while. No, no, we're not picking for a while. Oof. Let's go Schneier. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. This is why people hate us. No, well, no, no, this is not. He's been on the clock for like two yeah. minutes. Yeah, this Everyone is going to help my time a lot. You guys yeah. took two minutes. <laughs> this is going to help my time a lot if I if I don't take a player here. Um, I, I, let's go a little further into the show. I need to think a little bit on this. Oh, my gosh. Okay, why don't we, <laughs> we're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, we're going to give you some quick news items and then get finish up with the tight end tiers on Fantasy Football today. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. 
So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, Dan Schneier is still on the clock after that commercial break, which you know was a minute long if you're listening, but was only three seconds long if you're viewing. Uh, some news and notes real quick. Rob Gronkowski insists he is done with football. Even if Tom Brady calls him, he is done. Chicago acquired Nikhil Harry from the New England Patriots. I love this time of year. There's really not a lot of news. Uh, Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, according to the Panthers GM, Scott Fitterer, they are going to compete for the starting job. I don't think we buy that, or that we buy that Darnold has a chance. Dallas rookie wide receiver Jalen Tolbert will enter training camp as a presumed starter, according to The Athletic. He's getting some 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 real buzz, because I saw Harmon actually liked his profile a lot as well. Um, I, I'm, I'm getting more interested in Jalen Tolbert. All right, and Gabriel Davis weighs 227 pounds, so he has put on some weight. How do you feel about he ate that? Najee Harris. <laughs> uh, he's still less than Najee Harris, but how do you feel about does that matter to you? Gabriel Davis gaining weight. I have a hard time understanding the case for Gabriel Davis as this super high upside borderline number two wide receiver, anyway. So, um, yeah, okay. And that, and that's why I, I like uh, Dawson Knox more than most people. It's just everyone, everyone, just not everyone, but so many people just assume Gabriel Davis is going to step into that role. But why not Dawson Knox? Not, not, Dawson Knox is not going to be the number two target. But why can't he have a big target boost? Okay. We'll see. Adam, I don't think, let's see. I'm trying to make my pick, and it's telling me I'm not on the clock. Oh, never mind. Here we go. All right. All right. So the what you do is in, Adam, you I select a player and then you total minutes. Are you picked? Let's see what the pick is. Okay. See. So I'm not seeing it. What'd you pick? Who'd you pick? You're not seeing it, Jerry Judy. Oh, Jerry Judy. Okay. Okay. Sc- no, sc- just keep scrolling, Adam. Scroll down, please. Just just for the listeners, and in case anybody, keep going. Keep going. Yeah, so, I'm here. I'm here. It's 20 hours for me and 11 hours for Dave. <laughs> oh, and man. nobody else in your league is... Now, there's one person at nine hours, so that's something. Thank you. I, I think a lot of that was overnight for me. but No, they don't count the overnight. We've already established that. So uh, They don't count all of the overnight, but they do count some of it. So let's go Very back to the little. tiers. Tier one is Kelsey and Andrews. They are, you know, you could take... You could go as early as the first round for these guys. I Heath, you think they're both top 13, right? Yes. Yeah, they're definitely top 15 um, in PPR leagues. Half PPR, a little lower. Non-PPR, they're back in round two. So, Dan, you rank Andrews ahead of Kelsey? Not quite yet. I still have Kelsey higher. But, you know, I've 
did a little research into tight ends last night before the show. And that's what really put me a little extra research into tight ends. That would put me back on the, that's what put me back on the Andrews train. And, and I almost now regret, I had a chance for Andrews or, or Henry in round two of the SFB. And then, you know, that's de- a little bit deeper. It's mid round two, but I thought Henry has more league winning upside, but I don't know looking more into um, just exactly what Andrews did last year, leading the league in slot snaps was really important leading the league for tight ends. I mean, um, as far as, you know, after, sorry, se- second in the league after Kyle Pitts in average depth of target, not including Rob Gronkowski who's not coming back. And just the overall volume there as well, because of all the slot snaps, I think he has a chance for to really pace the field at tight end this year. If we see any kind of drop off at all with Kelsey via his age or just not having Hill. Okay, they were. I don't know. I don't want to get into this. I guess because we do it so often. But are you not an Andrews fan? Is that why? Little little concerned about the pass volume going way down. Why would it go way down? Oh, because the offense is so run heavy. Yeah, yeah. If they go back to what they were. To yep. the previous two seasons. And uh, I'm also, I'm not concerned about this. I think it's probably a little fluky, but his numbers, his target share was something like 22% with Lamar Jackson and 23% with Lamar Jackson and 29.4% without Lamar Jackson. He was on pace for 136 targets with Jackson and 184 targets without Jackson. He was on pace for over 1,700 yards without Lamar Jackson. He was on pace for Less than 1,200 yards, 1,141 with Jackson. I do not really care about that. Um, do you care about that? I, I know you don't. You <laughs> said with Jackson are all elite for a tight end. Um, um, he would have been, yes. Okay, all right. So, ready? His 11 games with Lamar Jackson. 17-game paces, 87 catches, 1,141 yards, 8 touchdowns on 136 targets. Look at that in points per game would have made him the number two tight end in fantasy behind Kelsey. But it would have made him, this is big to me, the number 20 wide receiver per game. Whereas Travis Kelsey is always a top 12 wide receiver per game. So yes, those are great numbers for a tight end. No, they are not top 15 overall pick. Those are very close to my projections, except that I have 10 touchdowns instead of eight. And the reason for that discrepancy would be the fact that Lamar Jackson just had an incredibly bad touchdown season right. compared to what he's been every other year in the league. Yeah, there's a good chance for positive touchdown regression, not just for Jackson, but for Andrews. I agree with Heath on that. Okay, let's go to the second tier then. And we haven't had gotten a lot of love for this tier. There's mm. such talented players, though. Darren Waller, Kyle Pitts, and George Kittle. That's the tier for Heath. If you're watching on YouTube, I hope you can see that clearly. Darren Waller, Kyle Pitts, and George, and George Kittle. Um, anything to say about this tier, Heath? I do still think, like I said, this is the tier I don't draft. That This is also the end of the area where I think you could find a tight end one without uh, just something really strange happening. It's Darren Waller and Devontae Adams could both dominate targets and Hunter Renfro could get left out in the rain and Waller could find his way back to tight end one. Kyle Pitts... I suppose it's possible that Marcus Mariota could be good enough to carry him to a tight end one season. Um, and like, so the San Francisco, something different happens all the time. If they come out and George Kittle's a 25% target share guy and Brandon Ayuk's a 20% target share guy and Debo Samuel is running the ball eight times a game, like George Kittle could be tight end one. So these are the last three guys who could legitimately be tight end one. Does it matter to you that Waller 
wasn't really that good when Henry Ruggs was there. I mean, he he was good, but no. because I'm just saying, you know, he, his season kind of took off after the Ruggs incident, and I now you got Devonta Adams coming in. So I think one thing that we haven't discussed a lot about Waller, which is why I like him, and I haven't heard it much, is the addition of Josh McDaniels in that offense. We've seen Josh McDaniels at times and the Patriots utilize tight ends and get the most out of those tight ends. That's going to help. He's going into a system that's going to be very tight end friendly for him. And I think there's going to be a lot more easy targets for him. But that's not to say there weren't in the past. But a lot of it, I thought, was driven by just not having that much talent around him and the offense kind of revolving around Waller. I don't think that's going to be the case with Adams on the roster. But this is a tight end friendly offense, and that's going to help Waller, I think, overall. Did Ruggs not play week one, I guess, either? No, he, he was no. great in week one. He had 20 targets, right? He played that one. Yeah. And yeah. But then Ruggs after was that, on he was the team in 2020 as well, right? But, well, but, but he started to emerge in 2021. He started to get more targets and be a better player. And he wasn't even close to what Devontae Adams. Look, I was just, I was just asking if that mattered to you. But, no. but I he, really he don't was, like it when you bring it up. <laughs> all right. But I think it's the only time he's been on the field with a guy who was even close to a wide receiver. Well, I, I guess you could say Renfro. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't know, because Renfro took off also after the Ruggs incident. You know, Renfro. <laughs> I would say, overall, I would say Ruggs had an impact on the production of both Hunter Renfro what, and Darren How many Waller. weeks was that? Six. Okay. All right, let's go to, uh, let's kind of skip tier three. Uh, no, actually, I have a, sec- a follow-up question on tier two. Uh, Dan, Going back to a year ago, I think you had some concerns about how George Kittle would fit in a Trey Lance-led offense. We never really saw it, although the target share, I think Dave brought it up, was pretty low for Kittle when Lance played. There wasn't much, though. I think it was a game and a half, uh, six quarters, basically. But, um, yeah, you still have those concerns? Yeah, that was actually the nicest thing you ever said about me. A few shows ago, I wasn't on it, but I was listening, and Adam was like, yeah, Dan Schneier brought this up like last year, and 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 it was when Dave was breaking down his concerns for he, uh, for Kittle. So thank you so much. But yeah, those concerns remain for me. I think the offense is going to look a lot different overall this year once Lance is installed as a full-time starter. We're going to see more zone read. That's not something we've seen a lot with Jimmy Garoppolo. You can't really run zone read with Jimmy Garoppolo. And one thing we've, know, we've known from Shanahan over the years is he is willing to adjust his system to the personnel he's had around him. He's done that a great job of that with with Kyle Yusek. Um, and I think with Lance, we're going to see that. So I don't I think the first read will be the X receiver a lot more often based on them playing more zone read. And that's going to be probably Ayuk. Uh, so I actually am a little higher on him than most. But as far as Kittle goes, there's so many concerns I have. It's the offensive system. It's losing Jimmy Garoppolo and the rapport he had with him. And overall, it's the vo- the total volume of the passing game that I think will go down there. And that doesn't even factor in the injury concerns with Kittle. So he's he's a player I haven't found myself drafting at all. Okay. And that was a very adorable pronunciation of Yushchek. You, you almost got that there. <laughs> uh, I knew it was. <laughs> is there an arch type of Kyle <laughs> Yushchek? You actually hate when you're about to say someone's name and you're two seconds before you're like, I don't know how to pronounce this name. Right? Yes, that, what you, I you, you saw do, me pause before saying it. <laughs> yeah, what I often do is just say it confidently one way and then try to work it into my sentence again in like 30 seconds and say it a slightly <laughs> different way. So that way it'll, people will just think I, like I mispronounced that. it one of the other times. All right, tier three is Schultz, Goddard, and Hawkinson. Heath has already established he no longer thinks these guys have tight end one upside, and I think we have spent enough time on this tier, Schultz, Goddard, and Hawkinson. Tier four is Zach Ertz, Herb Smith, Gerald Everett, Cole Komet, Pat Fryermuth, and Mike Gesicki. Zach Ertz, Herb Smith, Gerald Everett, 
Cole Komet, Pat Fryermuth, and Mike Kosicki. First question for you, Heath, is how come Ertz is in this tier and not the tier above with Schultz, Goddard, and Hawkinson? I thought he was washed when he left Philly. And he went to Arizona and got to play without DeAndre Hopkins in a high-volume pass offense and really did some things that that changed my mind. But I am worried their wide receiver one will be Marquise Brown, and he will be there week one. And then by the time we get to week seven, we might have Marquise Brown and DeAndre Hopkins. And prior to last year, this wasn't an offense that really used their tight end very much. Uh, he played a lot more in Arizona than he did in Philadelphia. In, in six games with the Eagles, he played more than 64% of the snaps only once. In 11 games they, with the Cardinals. They thought he was washed, too. He played 73% or more of the snaps in 10 of 11 games. And he was playing 90% or more of the snaps by the end of the season. So, they yes, they do like him. And he did not catch a lot of touchdowns with the Cardinals, but I do think he had a lot of... Yeah, he had, from week 7 through 18, he had the 10th most red zone targets and the 4th most goal-to-go goal targets in the NFL uh, there was very little DeAndre Hopkins there, but you don't see it in the touchdown numbers. He, he had a terrible touchdown rate, but he got a lot. Again, the fourth most goal-to-goal targets in the NFL from week seven through 18. I think that was all of his tenure with the Arizona. And his his offense is one that we still have at least some minor um, red zone or touchdown rate questions about. Kingsbury, the combination of Kingsbury and Murray's frankly not been very good in that regard yet. In terms of their passing efficiency there? In the red zone and their passing touchdown rate. Yeah. They like to run the ball a lot in the red zone. Sure. But he, but again, he had the fourth most goal-to-go targets in that stretch. Um, all right, so the rest of this tier, Irv Smith, Gerald Everett, Cole Komet, Pat Frymuth, and Mike Kosicki. Dan, what's your, what's your read on this tier? So I do like Ertz a tier higher uh, than than Heath does. I have him in the tier three range. I believe I'm really happy to see just to look at his high slot percentage. So I also had concerns about Ertz coming into that offense, but then the way they utilized him as basically a big slot, it's an easy solution for Kyler Murray. And Kyler Murray needs easy solutions. He he's a he's a very short quarterback. He can't really use the. He has not done a great job using the middle of the field. So Ertz is kind of that quick out outlet. So I like Ertz, but the rest of this tier has some of my favorite uh, guys that I like to target late. Gerald Everett, a player who produced in fantasy leagues for a lot of those who had Travis Kelsey on the COVID list and had other players injured last year during that stretch on Russell Wilson. I'm a believer in his talent, and I'm a believer in his situation now as he moves to the Los Angeles Chargers. Cole Komet is somebody who, look, you talk about Dalton Schultz versus Cole Komet. Cole Komet, to me, I see more upside there. I think he's a much more talented player. He moves well better without the ball. He has decent numbers after the catch, uh, with yards after the catch, and he, to me, has a chance for even better target share than Dalton Schultz there. I know the offense isn't going to be Target share, sure. Yes, but, target but share, right. Tar total targets, I'd say no. And then I have a few other players who really concern me in this tier. Mike Giusecki is somebody who I thought really profited from having a really high slot snap percentage. I think that's going to go down with the additions they've made at receiver. I also think that entire offense is going to look so completely different than it did last year. Just You couldn't have a more drastic system change going from the weirdest offense I've ever seen in the NFL last year using RPOs on such a high percentage to a Mike McDaniel offense that's going to run the ball a lot. So. Pat Fryermuth for me, total avoid player as well. It's not the talent. I love Pat Fryermuth's talent. I think he's the most talented player in this tier potentially. But I think that total, the passing game is going to be a total disaster no matter if it's Trubisky 
or um, Kenny Pickett running that offense with the offensive line situation there. And then Irv Smith's a guy who I've also stayed away from. I think Irv Smith's a bit overrated. I think we look at Irv Smith, and from a talent standpoint, I don't know if there's that much of a jump between Irv Smith and Cole Komet. And Irv Smith has never produced on a consistent basis from a fantasy standpoint there either. So he's another player I avoid in this tier. I'm gonna. I, I did a yeah. Twitter uh, defense of Irv Smith earlier today for no reason at all. So I'll I'll just say, like I think you can feel pretty confident based on the competition at the position, Kirk Cousins' history, and um, the, the O'Connell's history, and the fact they want to throw a bunch. You're going to get 80 plus targets from Irv Smith this year if he's healthy. Um, and so at where he's at right now in a good high pass volume pass offense if he gets 80 plus targets he probably belongs in this tier we don't know for sure if he's good he played a year behind kyle rudolph and then in 2020 he kind of kind of transitioned rudolph got hurt at the end of the year he was pretty good for the last month of the season um and then he missed all of last year but he was an early declare who put up 700 yards and seven touchdowns on a team with like every wide receiver in the nfl on it, Jerry, Judy, Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs, Jalen Waddle, all four on that team. And Irv Smith was was right there with them. Well, not all of them. Judy was way ahead of everybody. So I don't want to rule out the possibility that he might be good. He was a second-round pick who had some good production as a junior at Alabama. Mm-hmm. 50th if he overall. is good, he could be tight in six. And, and if Thielen gets hurt, then things change. And Thielen gets hurt all the time. So, that you know. I, I think, w- yes, if... Thielen doesn't get hurt, then it's probably either Osborne or Irv Smith who is fantasy right. relevant. If Thielen does get hurt, then it could easily be both. But this is what I, this is, I'm not trying to make this about Dalton Schultz. I'm trying to make this about this tier. This is what I'm talking about where at the end of the year, you know, if, if, if Irv Smith gets his 80 targets, he might not be that much worse than Dalton Schultz. But in this tier, I don't know who's going to be consistent. You know, and this is the type of tight end that drives you freaking crazy because you're wondering, do I stream? Is this the week where he's going to get his seven targets or is he going to have three? You know what I mean? So, so I mean, that's, I, I know, I think we all like Komet because he could be second on the team in targets, maybe give you some of that consistency. But I don't really, you said you draft this tier a lot, Heath. I worry about the consistency of this tier. Uh, not everyone, but it's Ertz, Irv Smith, Gerald Everett, Komet, Fryermuth, Kasicki. I see two players there. I think there could be consistency. How about you? Non-injury, no non-injury to anyone else. You know, as the I, way the roster I am stands now. Not the guy to ask about consistency because I mostly ignore it and half think it's a myth. Like Dalton Schultz mm-hmm. had five games last year with twenty-one yards or fewer. Right. Um, How is that consistent? Well, but I think he, I think he's going to be better because Amari Cooper is not there. Look, at, he had two games without Amari Cooper, and I think he had seven or more targets in both games. But they've replenished the wide receiver core there. It's, I don't yes! Think the offense, they have not. Jalen Tolbert is not Amari Cooper. Adam, I, I don't think the that. offense... I agree with that, of course. I mean, who wouldn't agree with that? But it's an absurd <laughs> comment. But I don't think the offense looks at it like, oh, now we have Jalen Turbert, or now we have uh, Michael Gallup. Once <laughs> did you just call him Jalen Turbert? <laughs> yes, I did. I think, I think the Tolbert comparison... or Michael Gallup once he's healthy, and now we have to drastically change how our offense no, runs. It's not that. We're going to run it through Dalton Schultz. No. They're still looking... The, read, the progressions remain the same. They're still looking to run that offense <laughs> yeah. via the outside in. Except like, one guy is going to be open all the time because Amari Cooper is great at is that. Is he going to be open? No, Amari oh. Cooper was so the guy I would compare it to is Gasicki in this tier. Mike Gasicki has had great numbers in the past when 
A guy like Preston Williams got hurt a few years ago, if you remember. The last eight games of that season, Mike Kosicki went off. But when Mike Kosicki has had two reliable receivers on the field at the same time, you barely hear from him, and he's not worth rostering. So that you know, that's my concern with players in this tier, and Kosicki is one of them. You know? Yeah. I, I, I understand the concerns. I just don't really see how Dalton Schultz supersedes all these, like, how what, what makes him so much better than some of these players in this tier? Because I just don't think he has the – because he's on a higher pass volume offense than, than many of these guys, and I okay. don't think he has – he doesn't have the Jalen Waddell, Tyree Kill factor. You know, for Fryermuth, he doesn't have J- Johnson, Claypool, maybe Pickens. Um, for Herb Smith, he doesn't have Jefferson, Thielen, K.J. Osborne. That I just think – you know, I just think the situation is better. But again, I'm sorry. I don't want to bring this back to Schultz. I want to bring this about these guys in tier four that obviously don't have, which is why they're in tier four. They don't have perfect situations. Right. They're being drafted. <laughs> we don't need to compare these guys to Dalton Schultz. They're being drafted four or five rounds later. Right. Um, this, I, you, you should draft two of these guys if you're going to, or one of these guys and one of the tier five guys. And it's a bit of a lottery ticket situation. Like we get to tier five, there's also some guys who I think could end up being tied in six. But every player in this tier, I don't. Okay, I don't really believe that Fryermuth could. Um, I'm with Dan, uh, but basically every player in this tier I think could be tied in six. Okay, so let's go to tier five then. Tier five is Tyler Higby, Noah Fant, David Njoku, Evan Ingram, the very underrated Logan Thomas, as we've learned. <laughs> uh, Hayden Hurst and Albert O. Tyler Higby, Noah Fant, David Njoku, Evan Ingram, Logan Thomas, Hayden Hurst, and Albert O. All right, what's tier five then, Heath? A hodgepodge. Um, like Higby, I've actually got projected higher than where I have him tiered here. He'd be in tier four if I was doing it just solely based on projections, but I'm just tired of touting Tyler Higby. Fant, I think talent-wise, might belong in Tier 3, but it's a pretty terrible situation, and he's the third wheel in the pass offense. David Njoku is OJ Cleveland O.J. Howard. Um, but like things could be great, or he could be catching passes from Jacoby Brissett. Evan Ingram was one of the worst tight ends in the NFL last year, but he's now Doug Peterson's probably number one tight end. Like It's just a, it's a hodgepodge. There's not a theme here that I have. Okay, and does this matter to you? I'm guessing it doesn't. And I would say, like I just said, the tier four guys could be top six tight ends. The bar's low for this, but any of these guys could be top ten, ten tight ends. If Tyler Higby, if his last six game, Tyler Higby finished very strong. Mm-hmm. His last six games before the NFC Championship game, remember he got the ankle sprain, missed the Super Bowl, played 18% of the snaps in the NFC Championship game. The last six games, he had 41 or more yards in every game. His 17-game pace was 82 catches, 878 yards, six touchdowns on 113 targets. You'd obviously sign up for that. This is Tyler Higby I'm talking about here. I don't know what happened in those six games. I think the target share, I didn't have a chance to calculate that. I think it was a lot higher. The only thing, Robert Woods was was missing. um, I do think that there's maybe something to that, that Robert Woods maybe had a slightly bigger impact on Higby than Odell Beckham. Like, I think those numbers you gave, Higby might have been as good as Beckham in the final six games. Um, yeah, probably. Not not necessarily the touchdowns. but Right. Yeah, the targets for sure. And I, I don't know. 40 yards a game sounds like Odell Beckham. The, the two times where Higby's been good was the last five games of 2020, I believe. No, 2019. Uh, when Gerald Everett didn't play. Those were the only 
games that Higby played without Everett. Everett played something like 10 snaps in those five games. And then this stretch here without Robert Woods, weren't the only, he had played two games before that without Robert Woods and didn't do anything. So I don't know what to make of it, but maybe there's a boost there for him. But then now they have Allen Robinson. So, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's tough. And is Allen Robinson as good as Tyler Higby? I don't know. And then the final tier is tier six. Tier six has Robert Tunyon, Hunter Henry, Brevin Jordan, Austin Hooper, CJ Uzama, and Dawson Knox. The theme of this tier is I tried to think of all of the guys that I might get yelled at for leaving out of my tiers, and I think <laughs> in this tier. Well, Knox, I think, is the one that stands out because his ADP is a top 12 tight end. So, But it's falling, that ADP. Is it? Yes. Take a look. I probably need to move Dawson. I, I'm going to give O.J. Howard a week or two of camp. And if the reports are as negative as they were at OTAs, then I need to move Knox up into Tier 5. But he's a, a like he's Robert Tunyon or Friar Muth from last year almost. And I just don't buy into those guys that do almost nothing but score touchdowns. I guess the question is, does he have the opportunity to do more than that now? And I'm just going to look at NFC ADP, 46 drafts since July 1st. I, he's tight end 10. What? So wow. Dawson Knox. So, yeah, I, I don't know that his ADP is falling. Oh, we, this this is uh, this is something we need to talk about because it's, this, some of these are best ball drafts, I believe. Okay. And if you have Josh Allen, right. then reaching Stack. for Dawson Knox – to pair him for the stacking purposes. Mm -hmm. I think that happens with Gabriel Davis, too, because he's yep. like wide receiver 24 in best ball drafts and wide receiver 30 in regular redraft. Can you look at Scott Fishbowl ADP? That, that yeah, does exist. Well, a lot of people are stacking in Scott Fishbowl yeah. because those final three weeks you want the correlation. So, I guess, but I, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand why Knox, why that, you know, look, he's on the team with Josh Allen. That's the appeal of Dawson Knox. They lost target getters two and three from last year's squad, Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, he is going to be, I, I wouldn't say for sure, but he's obviously got the potential to be a nice red zone or green zone target. I, I, you know, I think you guys are too low on him. I think the the drafters are probably too high on him at tight end 10, but I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't think he belongs in a different tier. I guess I just don't see him as Robert Tunyon. But... Well, I, it's not. I'm not. I'm not. You know, dying to draft Dawson Knox, but I do think you're not giving him quite enough. What credit. do you think is the difference between him and Robert Tunyon? More pass volume and more passing yards for the offense. Right? Aaron Rodgers, and that's a run but first much team. Much less competition for targets for Tunyon. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know that Tunyon is is in the discussion to really be a bit. First of all, he's hurt, right? He may not even be ready for Week One, but I, I feel like Dawson Knox is is a clear target getter. I have no idea what Robert Tunyon is. I don't know where T Robert Tunyon is in the pecking order. But I don't know where anyone... I don't know what the pecking order is for the Packers. So... That's fair. I don't either. Yeah. I, I don't know that we really know what the pecking order is for the Bills after Stephon Diggs. You know, if I had to guess, I would guess Gabriel Davis is two and, and Dawson Knox is third in targets. Wow. That's my guess. <laughs> so you think that they are just moving away? Like, because the slot wide receiver has been the guy that's kind of been the number two over the last few years. You think they're just doing away with the slot wide receiver? No, but Jamison Crowder doesn't stay healthy. All right, so let's talk. Diggs one sixty, Davis 
I don't even know, 110? And that Knox. sounds very close to me, yeah. 75 to 80 for Knox. I Yeah. Oh, I yeah, he had seven. No, that's probably selling him short. He had 71 targets last year in 15 games. I'll give him 85 to 90. And at that point, you're definitely talking about a streamer, fantasy-relevant tight end. I mean, he had more targets than Gabriel Davis last year, so maybe. That's what I'm saying. If, if people could be overestimating Gabriel Davis big time. A player I like in this tier, Adam, that I think has a lot of hate, and we've already hated him, or you've already hated him on on him on this show, is Hunter Henry. I know it was very seemed like a very touchdown fluky season last year, but he actually was sixth in slot snaps last year, which we have determined to be very sticky for tight ends, something you want to see. They're lining up in the slot. And actually, the A dot was what really stood out to me for him. The average depth of target, he was fifth among tight ends and average depth of target that got at least a minimum of 20% of the targets on their team last year. Those are two stats that I like to see, um, two, two kind of underlying numbers to back up a potential for more for Hunter Henry as that offense takes a step forward, as Mac Jones gets better in the NFL. And we've seen even more from a touchdown pers- uh, perspective, there are some players Players. I'm not saying Henry will be this type of player like Adam Thielen who have, you know, their touchdown percentage stays high because their target is so heavily within the red zone. And I think Henry could be one of those players as well. I will say that if Dawson Knox is a top 10 tight end, then Hunter Henry should be top 12. There we go. They are very similar, except for the fact that Henry has actually been a good fantasy tight end before. So Dan, you, you probably don't, I'm guessing inline snaps are not something you like for a tight end. Not at all. Unless your name is Rob Gronkowski or George Kittle, because you guys can, they're so good at blocking in line that they keep them there. But otherwise, yeah, you want the slot guys. Okay. Because Dawson Knox does have a, a lot of inline snaps. He lined up in line more, more than anywhere else, followed by the slot and then not too much out wide. Uh, all right. Let's, uh, let's read some Apple podcast questions. Sorry. It's a little bit late in the show. We have another episode coming up later today. It'll publish on Friday. You'll have your a mailbag. It'll be your emails at fantasyfootball@cbsi.com. And if you're on YouTube, you can ask us some questions there as well. We'll have Yahoo's Liz Loza joining us. This is from JR in Louisville. I've been listening since 2016. Can you spend some time discussing the biggest mistakes you all made in 2021 fantasy drafts? I think this would be incredibly helpful to hear the guys talk about what they learned from 2021 that they're applying to 2022. Uh, P.S. I voted Adam as the best male podcast host. That, of course, is not the category. It is the best podcast hosted by a male. But thank you for voting at podcastawards.com. All right, biggest mistakes, guys. Anything you want to bring up here? Um, I don't, I'm like an NFL corner. <laughs> you next, don't remember. Yeah, next, next play. <laughs> um, no, one thing I'm trying to do better this year from last year, and it's been a struggle. It's all, it's like Dave's running back struggle. I try to break free from my projections earlier in drafts every year. Okay. Wow. Like I definitely shouldn't be caring about my projections in round 12, but I'd like to get to where I'm like, maybe I could get as early as like seven or eight. Dan? Yeah, for me, it would probably be, ignoring quarterbacks and one quarterback leagues and just assuming I can get two high upside guys late. I think Chris Towers has done a good job of breaking it down over the last two seasons. We've seen a big tear gap between those quarterbacks who the quarterbacks who have and the quarterbacks who don't, the ones who are actually scoring a lot on a per game basis and those who aren't. And yeah, a couple of years ago you could find Mahomes before his breakout late and you got a breakout and the same thing happened with Lamar Jackson, but that 
is not necessarily the case, I don't think, and it's not going to be. It hasn't been the last two years. I don't think it's going to be this year, especially with Trey Lance's ADP creeping up. I think as the best case to be that player this year. So I'm gonna, I'm not going. To, I'm gonna change my strategy up a little bit this year, and I've seen it already in these one quarterback leagues. I'm finding myself, well, Kyler Murray's there, round five, round six. I'm taking him, and I never used to do that. I never used to take the quarterback, no matter what, until you know rounds ten, eleven, or even sometimes toward the very end of the draft, and then just look to stream. I think those days are might be over. Okay, and I didn't really make any mistakes last year, so nah, let's go to our yeah, next one. Coming. Despite uh, despite the fact that you had like all of the dead zone running backs multiple times across multiple teams. That's, that, but, that's yeah. 100 million percent not true. My biggest mistake You were was, a very big Mike Davis and Miles Oh, Gaskin are you, ki- are you kidding me? I did not, not draft... Not Davis, but you had Gaskin on I did not teams. draft a single Mike Davis or Miles Gaskin. I did yes, not like either of those guys. You are a liar. You are a huge the Listeners liar. League podcast, you went like three straight running backs in that range, and one of them was definitely Gaskin. I remember this. I think you're lying. I hated I hated Gaskin last Gaskin, year. Gaskin, Chase Edmonds, you had him Chase all. Edmonds I did like. I had a lot of Chase Edmonds, and I think it was justified. Uh, my biggest mistake was, was not it? drafting Cooper Cup, so I'm trying to figure out <laughs> who this year, you know, why, why did I was so in on Robert Woods and not at all on Cooper Cup, and I, mm. I don't know if there's a comparison this year, but I'll try to figure that out. This is from Core2186. Have either of you discussed, have any of you ever discussed trades live on the air amongst yourself and your respected leagues? We never brought up the dynasty trades, Heath, but we'll try to do that with you and Dave. Maybe we did. I, I've tried to make a trade with Dave on air like 17 times. Um, so it's strange that you don't recall any of those. <laughs> yeah, me and Jamie literally did this two weeks ago, Adam. Yes. On air. Um, yeah, the Yolo it does League happen. is where trades happen, our dynasty league. Um, and I just did a complete teardown in a dynasty league that everybody hates what I did. <laughs> so we could discuss that as well. Um, yeah. Okay, well, I think it's a fun segment, which we do it throughout the season as well. We try to make Heath and Dave make trades in their dynasty league. From you know, Bugman, Heath, I need to do the same because I inherited such a bad dynasty team. I'm looking to do a complete trade down the tear down. The problem is with Adam no longer in the league. I don't really have any marks in the league, so I have to kind of really work a little bit harder to to get some value back for some. It's of a those funny players. comment. I've actually never been in the league, so but your name is on, plastered across one of the. My teams. name is on a team. Yes, I just assumed they kind of like got rid of you, dude. Is my by the way, is my name Ryan or is my name Adam? What, what do you What do you think my name is? Just question. You can say. It. Go ahead. Go. You, you know my name. Go ahead. You can say it. Rhetorical question. Yeah, it's Adam. So, because a guy named Ryan drafted Miles Gaskin last year in the podcast league. So you you just no no not the league that I was in the last draft we did that I was in because you didn't invite me to most of those leagues because what is that me. the FFT league? I think it was the one we did live on air. Yeah, it was you the, had like you had like a string of like three straight run, four straight running backs in the dead zone. Maybe so three. no, you're you're probably thinking of my first four picks. In the FFT League, which were Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, Robert Woods, and Gus Edwards. No, so this was a different league, but, but whatever. Move on. We'll move past this. We'll yeah. see this here. This is from Bugman. He says, "Great show, poor ADP." I, I don't <laughs> love the. Uh, it was a five star review. I don't love the uh, the the headline there. Um, Gabriel Davis in round seven. He goes at the end of the fourth every time. His ADP is forty six. He's talking about the Underdog app ADP. It gets the li- that, it's misleading, and it gets the listener Jack to steal him in round six. When in reality, he's going twenty picks earlier. I uh, JJ Zacharyson probably got that wrong. Uh, late round QB on Twitter had, ju- had had responded to someone and said, "This is not a best ball tweet, or this is mostly about redraft and not." Real-. And I just said, "I want to pin this because best ball this time of year has become so prominent, and it's great." And I 
I enjoy the format very much, but best ball ADP and redraft ADP are not the same thing and should not be the same thing. Gabriel Davis is going in the fourth round because, well, it's ridiculous anyway, but people want to pair him up with Josh Allen. Right. Okay. Uh, I agree with this comment here on YouTube. Dan wants to be Adam. LOL. Wow. Yep. We've, I think we've known wow. that for a while. <laughs> wow. All right. This is from Traffic. Wow. Traffic can you code. save that comment so I know who made that so I can use that for future reference? Oh, he's on all the time. Broward Bravado. He's my I guy. I have seen Broward a lot. Me and him. Broward, we had some great conversation blasting Adam in the YouTube on the last live show. Now you're turning on me? All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, from tra- I think it was a compliment, by the way. Traffic Cone 500 yeah, is in a salary cap PPR keeper league. $250 budget. Who should he keep? Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Mike Evans. For a total of one hundred ninety-two dollars out of two hundred and fifty, Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, and Travis Etienne for one hundred and seventy-six dollars. So we'll save sixteen bucks. Jonathan Taylor, Mike Evans, and Travis Etienne—that would be the cheapest, but would not include McCaffrey, and that would be one hundred and two dollars uh, out of two hundred and fifty. I, I'm, that's interesting. I think you can lean toward. 192. I'm trying to do the math here. Is Christian Mc- so? I'm trying to just break down what each of these players cost, as that'll help us kind of determine which ones are worth keeping. I almost feel like tra- you can throw you can do the one without McCaffrey because you're spending so much of your budget on McCaffrey in this situation. So we know Evans is 16 more than ATN. Yeah, and we know McCaffrey is 74 more than Evans. No, yeah, you McCaffrey. can compare. You can compare McCaffrey. Yeah, seventy-four and, more than Evans. Yeah. You can compare McCaffrey to Etn. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I don't care. Also, the train left Chicago at four o'clock, going thirty-eight miles per hour. What time did it get to St. Louis? <laughs> What's your answer here, guys? I'm doing the one without McCaffrey. I'm going to go Taylor McCaffrey Evans, Yolo. All right, it is getting to be a long show, so let's do these th- last three quickly from Stefki. What could I realistically expect in return for Clyde Edwards Elair and a late 2023 first round pick? Heath? Um So that's basically a late 2023 first and an, an early 2023 second in my mind. Hmm. Uh I think you could get close to a low end uh number 1 running back if you could find like I would be if you want a running back I'd be targeting I assume you're a contender if you're trading your first pick and you think it's going to be late. So maybe one of these 26- or 27-year-old running backs that happen to be on a team that's not a contender would be my first target. All right, next one is from uh, Guides. And th- this, uh, this was another five-star review, but the subject was down year. You can't do that. Uh, I agree with the emailer from the last show. This year's fantasy draft is one of the worst ones in memory. So you're, you're, t- you're talking about you, you put down year. Kind of sounds like you're talking about our podcast. That's okay. Uh, The top running backs are unimpressive. Receivers are more shallow this year because of the lack of quality. Quarterbacks all the way around the consensus rankings just feel sad. I'll still participate, but I'm not as excited as normal. (laughs) Oh, man. I don't know. I I don't... uh, There's plenty to be excited about. It's just very unpredictable this year. Yeah, I think that might actually make it more exciting, but I do agree with the listener. It's been a weird year as I go through these drafts. I feel like there's less talent at receiver than normal. I actually think there is maybe more running back talent than normal. As I go through these drafts, I used to never take running backs in that rounds three through six range, and I found myself looking at the board and being like, 
can I definitely count on this wide receiver to be a target hog and a passing offense that's meh? Or should I just take Ezekiel Elliott for the bounce back? Or should I just take J.K. Dobbins, two players that I think could ultimately be really valuable players on your roster in that range? So I think it's a good year for running backs, ultimately. The dead zone running backs to me are better than they typically are. Yeah, well, especially if you took Miles Gaskin and Mike Davis, which, of course, I did not. From Wake Up 23, I think we'll, we, do, we'll do a d- deeper dive into that, and I'll, I'll audit it a little more thoroughly. You're, you're wrong. I think I read this last week, but I'm not sure, so I don't want to shortchange Wake Up 23. It's a 10-team PPR keeper league, two running backs, three wide receivers. I have Devontae Adams and Debo Samuel uh, as keepers in the first and the second round. And who would you take with the first pick of the draft? He's already got Adams and Debo. Would you take Jamar Chase, Kelsey, McCaffrey, Mixon, Pitts, Fournette, or Kamara, or Swift, or Evans, or blah, blah, blah. Not going to be any of them. McCaffrey. Yeah. Okay. I am a little... Yep, go ahead. Thanks for the... I'm sorry for the marathon, everybody. Uh, Appreciate y'all being here. And again, we've got... We've got FFT and 5. We got a lot of stuff. But most importantly, 5 p.m. Eastern. Join us on YouTube to watch that episode with Liz Loza and Dan Schneier. And uh, we'll talk to you later on Fantasy Football Today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.